Uh, friends, it's good to be with you. I'm going to say it again, even though we said it at the beginning of worship, because it's just good to see some faces back that I haven't seen in a little while, uh, with summer being what it is. So, welcome home. It is great to be home and great to be together. And today we kick off a new series of messages um, that we are calling Embracing the Challenge. Uh, and for these next few weeks, we'll be, we'll be looking at, um, well, as, as the kids go back to school, we're going to kind of go back to school as well. Uh, back to school and looking at some of the core ideas, the core aspects of what it means to be followers of Jesus, uh, to say yes to the invitation of discipleship and to living that uh, life and faith out in the world. Stanley Hauerwas, a professor uh, and theologian at Duke Divinity School, says, Christianity cannot be learned separate from those who embody it. Christianity cannot be learned separate from those who embody it. A couple of things get my attention about that quote. The first is um, that the challenge that we're talking about today and for these next few weeks is the challenge of embodying the Christian faith. The Christian faith is not about uh, just professing or assenting to some ideas about who God is or about who Jesus is or, or things that we think are, are, are good ideas of His, but actually living what we hear from Jesus, living it out. And so for these next four weeks, we're going to look at four different sayings of Jesus that all come from the Gospel of Matthew, each of which challenges us and invites us into that kind of living that embodies what it is that we say we believe. Um, the other thing that catches my attention about that quote is that it's clear from the way Hauerwas words it that embracing this challenge is best done in community. We can't do it on our own. Uh, our life is not meant to be lived in isolation, and we can't practice the values and the principles and the ideas that Jesus calls us to without being in community with others where we have to work on them. And not only that, but by being together as the church, we have the opportunity to receive mutual encouragement and support and accountability from one another. And after all, even Jesus formed a community to do life with. He didn't do it by himself. When he began his public ministry, for that time, he gathered friends around him that he would share that life with. And when we do it in community, we learn from each other, even imperfectly, what faithful witness looks like to God's good news. So today we start and we take a look at a few verses that we find at the end of the 10th chapter of Matthew. <clears throat> now chapter 10, the bulk of it, is all about Jesus preparing the 12 for the life that he is sending them out to. You see, it's in the first verses of chapter 10 that he calls the 12 out of the many who have expressed an interest, have been paying attention to what he's doing, and he calls the 12 out in order to prepare to send them out. And as he's talking to them in this chapter, he says a lot of challenging things. The life is not going to be easy. They're going to face some, some tough things out in the world. Uh, but then at the end, as that chapter is wrapping up, we hear these words, which I think are good ones for us today as we start this series. <clears throat> we are intimately linked in this harvest work, Jesus says. The work of being laborers, participants 
in what God wants to do out in the world. Anyone who accepts what you do accepts me, Jesus says, the one who sent you. Anyone who accepts what I do accepts my Father who sent me. Accepting a messenger of God is as good as being God's messenger. Accepting someone's help is as good as giving someone help. This is a large work I've called you into, but don't be overwhelmed by it. It's best to start small. Give a cool cup of water to someone who is thirsty, for instance. The smallest act of giving or receiving makes you a true apprentice. You won't lose out on a thing. This is the word of God for the people of God, and God's people say, thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Come Holy Spirit, and breathe life into the words that I speak, that they might carry a word from you into our hearts and lives on this day. Amen. It was about 15 or so years ago that I made my first trip to the country of Angola, along with five colleagues from here in Florida that are part of the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church. We went as ambassadors, if you will, for a recently formed partnership between the Methodist Church in Florida and the Methodist Church in East Angola. Now, this was just a couple of years after the strife had ended in Angola that was a civil war that had gone on for many years and left the country devastated. Um, But the church there was seeking to be in ministry with the people and to rebuild, and we were coming alongside to see what we could do to be a part of that work. So six of us went. Uh, We traveled to uh, Angola on a, a pair of flights that if you've never made that trip before or to somewhere in that region of the world, uh, it's about an 18-hour journey. Uh, we landed at the airport in Angola and it took us quite some time to get through customs and then to get through and then to get to where our bags could be collected, which then had to be searched. Um, and then we finally were escorted out of the airport and into some vehicles uh, that would take us from the capital city of Luanda into the region of Melange, which is in-country in Angola. Now, it's a fairly lengthy trip anyway, but back in those days, uh, because it was just post-Civil War, uh, many of the roads had been bombed, uh, some of them completely destroyed, and so you had to take lots of detours and be very careful on the roads that were available to you. So it was about a six-hour drive, so if you're doing the math with me, uh, by the time we get to Malange, it's about 24 hours after we started, actually more than that. And we arrive and we pull into the parking lot of the Central United Methodist Church of East Angola, which is also the headquarters of the church. And when we pull in, there are lots of people there waiting to greet us. And it was a beautiful moment. We were exhausted, mind you, uh, but it was a beautiful moment as all of these folks came out to offer us welcome And after we had spent some time interacting with them uh, on what was a middle of the summer day in Angola with not much shade around, kind of like walking out there, and if you're not under one of the tents out there, it's pretty hot today. Um, And after a little while, the bishop uh, invited us all to, uh, to go to his residence, which was also on the property there, up to the third floor of one of the buildings where he and his wife, Laurinda, hosted us. 
And the first thing that Lorinda did was to go to the kitchen and to get some ice cold bottles of soft drinks and bring them to a table for us. And uh, as we sat there um, salivating over those ice cold bottles, I was looking at the variety. They said, take what you'd like. I was looking at the variety and I saw one that I hadn't seen before. It was called Fanta Ananas. Anybody know what Fanta Ananas is? Anybody had that before? Yeah, somebody said yes. So, so, so Ananas is the word for pineapple. And I had never had it before, but let me tell you in that moment, a pineapple soda was about the most refreshing thing I thought I'd ever had in my life. But it was an act of hospitality. It was small, but it was like a cup of cold water. The greeting that we received, the hospitality that we knew came at a cost for them that they offered to us. It was an expression of what uh, we might call and what one theologian uses to talk about this passage today of compassionate welcome. That is our focus of Jesus' words for us this morning. The idea that we are a people called to extend compassionate welcome. And what we hear Jesus say in the scripture today is that when we offer it to someone else, it is as if we offered it to Jesus himself. Now, maybe that idea sounds a little familiar to you. Uh, If if so, it's with good reason because later in the Gospel of Matthew, we hear it fleshed out more fully. Uh, When Jesus tells the story, the parable about the sheep and the goats, and remember he says, whenever you visited someone in prison, whenever you clothed someone who was naked, whenever you fed someone who was hungry, whenever you welcomed someone who was a stranger, it was as if you did it to me. Compassionate welcome is about us being present for people, and it's a way of giving people a taste of God's unconditional love. Compassionate welcome is offered without strings attached. The people who receive it from us don't have to do anything to get it or earn it. They don't have to have the right pedigree. They don't have to know a password or a secret code. They don't have to know the right people or the right things. It is a gift freely given without any expectation, without any assumptions, without any anticipation that we will get anything in return. And so I wonder if you might take a moment this morning just to remember a time in your life when you experienced that kind of welcome from someone, when somebody just let you feel welcomed, embraced, loved, cared for, without you having to do anything for them to want to offer that to you. Roger Swanson was a United Methodist pastor who served a number of churches in New Jersey before becoming the director of evangelism for the United Methodist Church um, headquarters and ultimately in the late years of his ministry coming to Florida to work as director of evangelism among us here. And it was in that context that Catherine and I had the privilege of getting to know Roger There is a story that he tells about his own receiving of compassionate welcome that will always stay with me. He tells the story of how when he was growing up, his family lived in a home that was very close to a Methodist church. 
His family didn't go to that church. They didn't go to any church. But one day, Roger and one of his buddies uh, discovered or learned that uh, there was a pool table in the basement of that church's building. And he and his buddy figured out a way to sneak in through a window to go into that basement and play pool when nobody was around and when they, wouldn't, when they thought they wouldn't get caught. And so they started doing that and, and some weeks went by and they were getting along just fine, getting in and out until one day as they were playing pool, the door opened to that room where they were and in walked the pastor of the church. Roger thought for sure that his life and the life of his friend was over or at least they were going to get in immense trouble and perhaps even get sent to juvenile detention. But instead, the pastor approached the two of them and said to them, you know, of all the people in this neighborhood, you two boys are the ones trying the hardest to get into this church. (laughs) And then he reached into his pocket and he pulled out a key and he handed it to Roger and his friend And he said, you boys come on in anytime you want. You are welcome here. Roger says that moment changed his life. Everything after became different for him because of the way he was received by that person on that day. Compassionate welcome is about emulating the kind of hospitality that we have received in Christ The kind of hospitality that that pastor offered those boys that day. I'm mindful of a word that we hear Jesus say time and time again in the Gospels. It's the word come. Come and see. Are you hungry? Come. Are you thirsty? Come. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you beaten down? Come on in. You are welcome. Compassionate welcome is modeling that kind of life, that kind of witness for others. Greg Ellison is a professor at Candler School of Theology at Emory University. And about a decade ago, in the wake of the killing of Trayvon Martin, Ellison found himself deeply concerned about the way in which he heard people talking past each other about that tragedy, making a lot of noise, yelling at each other in interviews that he would watch on TV, not listening to what each other had to say. And he thought to himself, there has got to be a better way than this. There's got to be a way for people to be together in such a way that they can really learn from one another's backgrounds and experiences and listen to what each other has to say. And so he decided that he would push out an invitation to folks that were a part of the Emory community, but even part of the Atlanta community. And so he said, if you're looking for a better way to have a conversation about this, I want to invite you to come and and show up on this day at this time and join me. And he spent an extensive amount of time preparing for that day for people to have an experience that might give them a different way to learn from others who were different from themselves. It was the beginning of what became uh, what Dr. Ellison calls fearless dialogues, an experience that he has carried into numerous communities 
not only in this country but around the world, to help people listen to each other and see each other better. Catherine and I, a few years ago, had an opportunity to participate in one of those experiences on the Candler campus. And I was struck by the way that he and the facilitators that he recruits to help lead that experience welcomed everybody as we arrived. As we were walking into the room, they would look every person in the eye very intentionally and say, it's so good to see you. It's so good to see you. Being seen makes such a difference. And compassionate welcome is a way of saying to another person, I see you and I care about your well-being. Ellison goes on to talk about how uh, he seeks to do this in his everyday life, just when he's out and about around town, when he's in a restaurant or at a coffee shop or at the grocery store or in an Uber, how he can just be present and pay attention to the people that he encounters uh, so that they feel seen and feel welcomed by his presence. He says this about that experience, you see how people respond when you give them the smallest amount of positive regard. Sometimes it just takes the smallest amount of attention to make a difference for somebody. Ellison says, they invariably get me in a position to receive a gift in return. And isn't that the truth? When we extend ourselves toward another person, often we find that a blessing comes back our way as well. Part of my own recent experience with this idea uh, is the result of something that I started doing sometime during COVID when I was just noticing the heaviness that people seemed to be living with. Shoulders slumped, faces drawn, tired, fatigued look in people's eyes. And so when I encountered someone um, at the cashier at the grocery store or in the coffee shop or somewhere else as I was out and, around, out and about town, I just started asking people a question, people that I didn't know. Hey, so how's your day going today? It was like a cup of cold water. You could see it in their eyes. The fact that somebody was paying attention and as best as I could expressing sincerity with them that, that I really meant it when I asked that question. I wasn't looking for a superficial response. To the extent that they felt safe and comfortable sharing something with me in that moment, I wanted to be present for them. And it's amazing how many times that resulted in a conversation, which the next time I was there resulted in maybe a little bit deeper conversation and some of the friendships that I've formed over the last couple of years with people that may, may have never started if it weren't for that beginning of just letting people know that they were seen, letting people know that they were cared about. In our scripture today, we hear this from, from Jesus. He says, this is a large work I'm inviting you into. Make no mistake about it. Uh, being a disciple is a large work. But then he goes on and says, don't be overwhelmed. Start small. So that's the invitation today. 
at the outset of this series and of embracing the challenge, the invitation is to start small. Start by noticing. Start by paying attention. Compassionate welcome can be offered to anyone, anywhere. So let your eyes and your lips and your body language say to another person, I see you and I care about you. Rick Morley, Episcopal priest and blogger says, or invites us to consciously attend to the Christ in everyone. Consciously attend to the Christ in everyone. Every person we meet, every encounter we have is with someone who is a beloved child of God, somebody who has been created in God's image and has inherent sacred worth. How can we convey that from the moment we meet them through the way in which we welcome them into that space and time? So we can do that anywhere. And I encourage you as you go out from this worship time today to do that and to to look for opportunities to offer that out in the world. And I also want to invite us to think about how we do it together. The passage today also says that we are intimately linked. We are connected to each other in this work of extending welcome. And one of the best ways that we can do it as the body of Christ is to do it here. When people come our way, when people come into this space, when new folks come among us, to see them, to welcome them with every fiber of our being. So what if we all came with that idea of consciously paying attention to the Christ in everyone? What if we all came with that perspective whenever we gather as the church? And what if we paid special attention to how we welcome those who we have not already known? Take a few moments on Sunday or on Wednesday or when you're here to look for those that you don't know before you get so caught up in conversations with the ones that you do know that you miss the opportunity to offer that compassionate welcome. What if, my friends, what if someone felt welcomed in this place like they had never felt welcomed before? And what if it changed everything for their lives and maybe even for yours? Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, we thank you for the gracious and compassionate welcome that we have found through Christ. Your grace and your love, we pray would shape our lives and our actions so that we too might extend that welcome to others. So open our eyes and our hearts. Help us to look out and to see where you are creating opportunities for us to welcome others. In Christ's name and by his spirit, we pray. Amen.